Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to have each and every one of you here, and those of you that are visiting, we are especially glad that you're here for the simple reason that you are a special guest, and we want you to enjoy the services, finding them in accordance with the Word of God. And I'm not going to mention everybody because I'll miss somebody, and therefore, just welcome. We hope you stick around afterwards a little bit so that we can get acquainted with you. And it's a sad time in that Sherry is moving uh, to Sacramento and in the next week or two, and that's sad, but she's going to be with her daughter, and that's good. And so we're glad that she's going to be with somebody that loves her, and I hope that Lydia can take better care of her than we have. <laughs> so love you, Sherry, a bunch. I want to talk today about a home with God at the center of it. And we read in Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, thou shalt have none other gods before me. I realize that as I use the Ten Commandments, that we are not under the Ten Commandments, that which was written upon stone. God took that out of the way as he brings the Ten Commandments into our lives. That is, that he takes that from the outward and internalizes them. Many people have the idea that God did away with the Ten Commandments, and nothing could be further from the truth. God did not do away with the Ten Commandments. He did away with those commandments written upon stone because it matched the hearts of those people that it was written for. He put them inside, and if you will notice, the very principles are written upon our heart. In Hebrews, the eighth chapter and verse 10, he said, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. As I've told you before, one of the things that we can look at as we read the Bible, we can approach it in one of two ways. One way is it's a bunch of rules and regulations that we just have to keep and we are to do this and not do that and so on. Or we can approach it as this is the way that I show my love. This is the way that God says that I am to show my love to you by keeping the commandments. And this is the commandment when he gives that to us, we then start practicing that towards each other and towards our neighbors, and he says, then you are doing what's right. The commandments give us real understanding. In Romans, the seventh chapter, in verse six, he says, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. In the Old Testament, they looked at that and they said, you... I can't commit adultery and I can't do this and I can't do that and I have to do this and I have to do that. And God says, if it's in your heart that I have brought you down to really two commandments and those two commandments is, is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength 
and with all your mind and so on. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says that second command follows just automatically. If you love God whom you have not seen, then you can love your brother who you have seen. So he says, I want to put upon there that we're not going to do it by rules and regulations, but if because it's upon your heart and being in your heart, it's not the oldness of the letter, but rather a new invigorating way to obey God. It allows us to fulfill the law from our heart. In Romans the eighth chapter and verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the spirit is contacting us through the word of God. And when he does that, that puts it into our heart and he sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. And because of that, then we are able to carry out what God wants us to in the way that God wants us to. Now I said all that to say that the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. If I make mistakes today, please understand I broke my glasses this morning. So I can't see. So I'm looking here and I may have to have Kate uh, read it for me. <laughs> so anyway, we'll go on from here and try to stumble through this. God gave this law Certainly, so that an individual might know what to do. But more than that, he gave it to establish something, something in the family. And that family is going to then make the nation strong. The family is the very place that the nation has to go to, to have it go in the right direction. If it's particularly for the home, he says, I want you to understand that if we build the home up, you have built the nation up. When the family is destroyed, the nation will collapse. That's just an automatic thing that's going to happen. And we are in a culture war today for the family. This is what the battle is all about is to get the family destroyed. You remember in Egypt, that's one of the things that the children of Israel went to Egypt and they depended upon the government and they became slaves. Much of that is trying to be accomplished today. And so we are looking at what it is and the basis of all of this is the truth. The truth, when we talk about truth, truth is the reality of all experiences that you will ever have. And truth is really what things are. We live in an illusion type of world today. And we're looking everywhere except for the truth. We don't like what is true. We like what is new. And we're coming up with all the gadgets to take our minds away from this. And we're being taken care of by people. And consequently, we move farther and farther away. Satan's very weapon that he uses is deception. It's from the beginning and it still happens today. Satan tries to deceive you. And it's very easy to be deceived with baubles and bingles and all the beads and everything around us. When we look, 
we seldom look and say what is really the truth, what's behind what's being said. A lie is the most dangerous thing that there is in the world. There is nothing more dangerous than a lie. And every lie is promoted by Satan. Our thoughts of lying is a temptation to do what's evil. You know, when you're caught and somebody catches you in something, there is a tendency within all of us to lie. Have you ever had that problem? To where you just, I don't really want them to see me in that way, and so we come up with an exaggeration or a lie. And as I said, if the family moves away from the truth, the nation is going to move. In Psalm 11.3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I can see the foundations crumbling day after day. I see that this country is in trouble. I see that people's lives are in trouble. I see all of the glamour. John was talking this morning about the pleasures that individuals get into. And those pleasures leave an emptiness and yet, the more empty you get, the farther into sin you have to go. And consequently, we're moving the country away from God. The nation now sees with clouded eyes. And there is no up and down. There is no right and wrong. It is just all we don't have to think. One of the things that I would love to get in the sermons is for, to get people to think, to think for themselves, to establish faith based upon not what the preacher says, not what the rabbi says, not what anybody else says, but faith upon this is what I see the Word of God teaching because you are studying the Word of God. And this was so in the Old Testament. So the Ten Commandments are given to protect both the individual, the family, and the nation. And the very first commandment, when we started out, the very first commandment, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. God gives that, and I want you to notice that all of the other things that God gives in the Old Testament, besides the Ten Commandments, are telling you some of the functions of how to keep those commandments. In Deuteronomy, he tells us this, in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 7, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that the days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, observe and do it, that you may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee. In the land that floweth with milk and honey, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, 
and thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou wakest up by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. When God gives these commandments, he said, I want you to do it from the heart. In the New Testament, God said, you didn't do very well in putting those on your heart. So I'm going to write them on your heart. And he did something so marvelous in sending his son to die upon the cross that it gets our attention. And when we finally learn from God, we write it upon the heart because God is writing it there. He has done something so tremendous that he has put it in our heart. And as you look at this, he says, as far as the family, when you're sitting in your house, I want you to talk about this. One of the things that we have lost is the ability to communicate. And we do not communicate in the family because we have the television watching the kids. We have the television watching the kids. We don't want to be bothered because we have our days full and I don't have time for my kid a nation is going to suffer. We are a generation from total lawlessness. I want you to think about a country with no laws, and that's where we're going. Laws mean nothing. James Madison, known as the father of our Constitution, said this, the future of American civilization is not staked upon the power of the government, but on the ability of the Americans to govern and control themselves according to the Ten Commandments. We say sometimes that these fathers didn't have anything to do with God. They did. They looked and they said, this is what we want you to do. This is what governs a nation. This is what governs an individual. This is what in people have a responsibility to do. And when you forget that, you've got a mess. Over in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, verse 4 through 12, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is known as the Shema. They said it every day. We talk about repetition. People say, you have the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Repetition puts it in your heart. Repetition keeps it in your heart. People say all the time in the religious world, you know, we just do it once a month or every three months or so on. We do that. The Bible says upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Every week has a first day. In the Old Testament, he didn't say, hey, you have to do this every Sabbath day. He said that you are to keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, which one, God? Well, every time they have a Sabbath. So we get all crude. But you know what? I noticed something about the religious world. They don't have any problem every Sunday taking collection, but we have a problem taking the Lord's Supper. That gets to be a habit, they say. Well, that's a mighty good habit to get into. To remember every first day of the week that the Lord died upon the cross of Calvary for us, that he shed his blood, and that we have the availability to that, and that blood flows in every one of us because we are all Christians. So he says, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on the gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou buildest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget that the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. Can you see a family setting down every evening and talking about how was your day today, son? What did you do today? And how does that relate to God? Did you exercise showing God to other people? Did you exercise? And they say, well, you know, Dad, I got an A. Good. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be excellent. God wants you to practice excellency. And you're having trouble in math. Well, son, let me sit here. God says when you have a problem that the father and the children are to work that problem out. And maybe we need to get in touch with the teacher. Maybe we need help. Maybe you need a special tutor. I want you to know, and mainly, do you know why reading was started in schools? So that they could read the Bible. That's why it was started. And we're getting away from that. People graduate today that don't even know how to read. People graduate today that don't know any math. People graduate today because we're just pushing them ahead. God said, I want you to get the foundation into these children. That's what a family does. And we judge each other by that. The most important of the Jews, they repeated the con- continually. There have been arguments in this country about removing the Ten Commandments from these public places. I want to ask you something. Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you have them in your home, living by them? And I'm not talking about a sign out here. I'm talking about this is what God wants. This is what's in my heart. This is what I want to share in the family. I, as the leader of the family, have the responsibility of teaching the principles. I don't believe at all that kids ought to come home and you say, sit down and we're going to read the Bible. Because this one begat that one, and that one begat that one, and that one begat that one, and this one begat that one, and that one begat that one. And we say... Boy, that was an exciting evening. (laughs) Rather, we sat down and put the Bible in context with our living. That's what we need to do. And that's what families ought to try to do. You don't have to sit there and say, turn to 2 Timothy. Memorization is great. But living it is even greater. That's the point. You know, somebody says, where does it say uh, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise in salvation? I can't remember just where it is, but I'll tell you what, I know it's there. And we can look it up because it's in my heart. 
That's the difference. How many husbands and fathers have really taught these fundamentals in the family? You know, as I told you, my son, John, says, you know, I'd rather go to that other church. Why? Because they serve donuts. I understand that, son, but I'm trying to teach you truth. I'm not trying to teach you about the little donuts. I'm trying to teach you about truth. I'm trying to teach you the responsibility that you have growing up as a young person. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I grew up when I did because things were bad enough then. But the big difference of when I grew up and when the young people are growing up today is whenever we did that which was bad, we hid it because we were ashamed of it. Today, we're flaunting it. That's how far we've moved. So I'm very concerned about the family. The home is the place for spiritual truth to be predominant. And we are, have the responsibility as parents to pass it on to the next generation. A great revelation. There's only one Lord, one God, one Lord. I realize the Bible teaches that there are many gods. But there's only one true God. Only one true God. Israel knew this. And Paul said, yes, there's many gods, but to us there's only one God. Whatever you make important in your life, that is that you've given yourself to it, that becomes your God. You can even give yourself to yourself and you become your own God. This great revelation. One Lord, Jehovah, and scriptures must be taught. You know, people say, what should we be teaching our little kids? I'm going to tell you. Here it is. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What do you see in the heaven? Well, I don't see anything. And then that little kid says, Daddy, look at that bird. What a teaching opportunity. God made that bird. That is so profound. That is so deep that if I get this in there, the things that I see, God made that. The stars that I see, God made those. We say, well, I need deeper things. Start out with those deep things. Those are deep things. God made these things. I told you, my son John, whenever he was getting ready to graduate from college, oh man, he went to college and he finally got dumb. <laughs> How do we really know that there is a God? I loved what Rabbi Zacharias said one time whenever somebody said, you know, I can't really prove that I exist. Uh, can, uh, can you... Show me how to prove that I exist. And Rabbi got up and he said, who's asking the question? <laughs> you see, the fella couldn't say, well, I'm asking the question because he didn't know whether he existed or not. This is what we got across to John when he was getting ready to, get to graduate. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And John discovered that. 
Oh, it was a great discovery. Great discovery. He graduated pretty smart, but he was kind of got dumb there for a while. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Do you realize that creation displays the very glory of God? C.S. Lewis one time said, you know, when I look at the sunset and how beautiful it is, it's not the sunset that I'm wanting to see. I'm wanting to see the one that made it. And that's where we ought to be going. Americans' Declaration of Independence says that all men are endowed by their creator. We have a creator. I want my kids to know that. I want it embedded in them. In our schools, we cannot teach creationalism, but we can teach atheism. We can teach Darwinism. And we can look at all other religions, but we can't look at Christianity. Something is wrong out there. A Christian believes there is a God by faith, but that faith is based upon evidence. To believe something without evidence is absolute stupidity. An atheist believes there is no God by faith. It's his own faith. And many people believe there is a God by faith that is not really faith. It didn't come from the word of God. It came from mother. It came from dad. It came from a lot of people. Parents are to get them to think for themselves so that they learn how to think so that they can look in the word of God. And the great response one love. Oh, I love that one love. I shall love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. You know, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind. Not talking about the brain. It's talking about the mind. Get that deep in your mind. You can have Alzheimer's disease and still be all there in your mind. With all thy soul, with all thy might. You know what? If a kid sees you loving God that way, when a parent loves a wife, that's seen. If you don't respect your wife, your kids grow up with a slanted view. Unbelief is not an intellectual problem. It's a moral problem, and that's the problem in this country. It is a moral problem. We don't deal with it enough. The Western world, we here, have taught love in such a wrong way for so long that people actually get to believing it. It's some big feeling. You know, I can remember going to high school and falling in love with a girl, and I just loved her, loved her, loved her, and then all of a sudden it was gone. Love is an action that you look at that other person and say, I am dedicated to you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do everything that I can for you. And when you have that, you get the feeling. If you don't have that, you won't get the feeling. Sometimes we get the feeling, but not the action. It's a conditioning of the heart. In Matthew 15, 8, he says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Have you ever talked to somebody and they said, you know what, I just can't do everything God told me to do. Well, if you can't do everything God told you to do, 
then God didn't have any right to tell you to do it. We think crazy. We need to show a selfless love. I tell Peggy sometimes, I don't know what I would do without you. And I'm serious about that because she puts my vitamins out and all of that. But do I love her? I hope that she knows that I care about her deeply. You know, there's three books in your home that show where your priorities are. Number one is the Bible. Now, I don't mean the Bible that just sits on the mantle. It's a Bible that is worn. It's a Bible that is used. It's a Bible that's studied. And number two, our checkbook. That tells you where your heart is. When you reach for a man's hip pocket, I'll tell you what, you just grab where his heart is. I bet you never knew where your heart was, but that, now you do. Number three, our calendar. Those three tell a lot about you. Where we put our time. And if you don't put your time in doing the things God wants you to do, you're wasting time and you're not a good steward of God. So our love is shown with physical strength, all the strength that I have, the emotional, the financial, the intellectual, intellectual, our whole being is how we show our love. We have great responsibility, one law. In Deuteronomy, these words which he command, he says, teach them, teach them, teach them. That's what he's trying to get across. And the emphasis is upon the father's teaching, although the mother, of course, does teaching. But so many homes, the father is AWOL. He's gone. He's not there. So how do we teach in the home? I want to start convincingly. You have to persuade a child. Do you realize that? You have to persuade a child. They are hard-headed. And you can't let them have their foolish way. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These words which I command thee they shall be in thine heart. If they see it in your heart, they'll, they'll want to copy you. Because it's genuine. Our religion is so ungenuine today that it's pitiful. We need to do it creatively. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shall talk with them when thou sittest and so on. Do we really do that? And we need to do it consistently. It takes repetition. Did you clean your room today? Don't forget to clean your room today, every day, every day, every day. And finally, they start doing it. As I said, my daughter one time, I went in and the room was all a mess, everything was all over, and her mother and her just kept fighting, 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 fighting. Why fight with these kids? My daughter went to, work, to school, I took all of her clothes, and I made sure that her underwear was right on the top, put them right out in the middle of the yard so that everybody could see them when they came home. I didn't have any more problems with her cleaning up her room. And I didn't have to say a word. 
Be consistent and conversationally talk to them. It has to be taught. When thy son asks thee time to come saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes? And the, why are we doing this? Oh, that's one of the things that I can remember with my kids being ta- taking walks with them and talking about their future, what was going to happen. We're losing the conversation and conspicuously. Deuteronomy 6, 8, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, frontless for your eyes. Kids see. Kids see. Even our thinking is controlled by the word of God. Write them out upon the posts of the house. And lastly, we ought to teach them compellingly. I want to compel my children to do what's right. To live by the standards so they'll be good citizens, but more than that, that they'll be good citizens of God. And that consistency... Our children need to see that we really believe what we're teaching. And if they don't, we're in trouble. The lesson is yours. And we always close with giving an invitation because Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that rest is to your soul. Wouldn't you like to lay down the burdens? Will you come believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God loved you so much? Repent of your sins and confess him to be the Christ and be baptized for the remission of sins as you enter into the death of Christ where he shed his blood. And you're born again as God operates upon your heart. So won't you come while together we stand and sing?